Let's read God's word again, inerrant, infallible, God's word to his people. This is the Lord speaking to us. This comes immediately after Peter has denied the Lord for the third time. The rooster has crowed. And John says this, Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early. And they themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. And the Jews said to him, We're not permitted to put anyone to death. To fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born and for this I've come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever and forever. Father, we thank you for your word. If we didn't have your word, the very best we could do would be like the world, to grope around in darkness. We could just guess. But you've been more thoughtful and more gracious to us. You've been more merciful. You've given us, from Genesis to Revelation, the truth. We thank you for it. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we ask you to to cause your truth to work in our hearts so that we might no truth, we might live a truthful life, and we might be able to tell others the truth. And this we ask in Jesus' name, amen.
Children, I'm sure, knowing your parents, that you have been taught from your youngest days that you're to tell the truth. Be sure and tell me the truth. Are you telling me the truth? Some of your parents may have even said this, there's nothing I hate more than lies. Don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. I see people nudging and squirming and smiling and nodding so everyone knows what I'm talking about. Truth. We're in the midst of a trial here in John 18, a judicial trial of sorts. It's a bit of a mockery, but nevertheless, it's, it's, a, it's a legal trial that's going on. And as in those days, so we, trials hinge on truth. Or at least they should hinge on truth. We know that in a real world, a world that's full of sin, trials don't always come down to what is true, what is not. Sometimes it has more to do with personalities or the persuasive tongue of, of attorneys or the biases of jury members instead of truth. Well, this trial is not much different from that, is it? There are lies being told. If you go back and read the other gospel writers, they'll tell you that they couldn't get, they couldn't get Pilate's attention because his Pilate says, I, I, there's nothing, I can't find any guilt in this man. So they, they got someone to come and lie about him. They came and lied about Jesus. Well, he, we heard him say that he was going to tear the temple down. Oh, he's an insurrectionist. He's a terrorist. He's, well, he did say something sort of kind of like, I'll tear the temple down. What he said was, uh, if, if you tear this temple down, referring to his body, we're told. We considered this way back in John chapter 2. Three days I will raise it up again. And they didn't understand because they think physically, materially. And we tend to do that, don't we? It's part of the difficulty of this passage. And what Jesus says about his kingship is because people tend to think very materialistically and, and, and physically about kingdoms. And Jesus has to make a corrective about that in this passage, but we'll get to that in a moment. This passage really is ultimately about Christ being the king. That's what comes out in the trial is, yes, that's who I am. That's why I came. That's what I'm doing. But it's not your ordinary kingdom. It's not a land kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. That doesn't mean that it doesn't have to do with, with individuals and, 
and properties. It, it just means it's a different kind of kingdom. It's about rule and reign and dominion. It's not about geography, per se. We'll see that more in a moment. Well, let's set the context, the historical context, because we have an issue here in John. Uh, John doesn't seem to give a hoot about what happened with Jesus in front of Caiaphas. Did you notice that? Last week we were talking about Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, and he was still considered by many to be, well, he's, you know, he's the high priest, but now Caiaphas is the one that's serving. But we had that family of priests, remember? So if you go to Matthew, you go to Luke, they tell us about the Caiaphas episode. But John doesn't, that's not part of John's plan. Remember, back to the beginning, John's not giving us a chronology. He's not giving us a, a history per se. He's using the, the history, the stories, to teach us theology. And the one theological point he wants to make about this is Jesus is the king. Jesus is king and he's the king of a kingdom of truth. That's really all John's concerned about here. So he doesn't bother to tell us all about Caiaphas. So he just starts very plainly. They led him from Caiaphas into the praetorium. Now the praetorium was where Pilate would stay. That was his home away from home when he was in Jerusalem. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a busy time of the year. Passover's approaching. We already saw in the garden episode that the, the guards are on, the, the Roman guards are on call. They want to be sure no, no riots break out. A lot of people here from out of town. A lot of things could get out of hand real easily. So let's, and so he's there for that very same purpose. In case they need some last minute orders, they don't have to wait for it to be you know, back and forth with him. He's right there. The Jews who bring Jesus won't go into the praetorium. Now, if it had been any other time, they would have. But they're right on the verge of Passover. And there's a lot of irony in this, isn't there? They're putting Jesus to death. But they're concerned about keeping themselves clean so they can go to Passover. They're putting the Passover lamb, Jesus, the real one, to death with their dirty hands. But they want to keep their dirty hands clean so they can go to the Passover meal and enjoy it. If it weren't so sad, we'd just laugh. You know, it would be more of a comedy than a drama, wouldn't it? But it's, 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 it is a drama. Well, that's the historical context. You say, well, but the Old Testament law permitted for them to, if they were defiled by being in the presence of Gentiles, there was a cleansing. Yeah, but it would take too long. So they didn't want to go, they didn't want to do the law thing. 
they wanted to do what was more expeditious, so they they just said, no, we're not coming in. So that's why we have Pilate going in and out instead of them coming in to him. You'd think, well, hey, if I were the guy in charge, I'd tell him if they want to talk to me, come in here. Well, they weren't going to do that. And he had to deal with this issue. He wanted to get it over with, so he went out to them. So he's got out there, he's back in with Jesus. He's out there, he's back in with Jesus. So that gives you that in context. First thing I want to see, you see it on your outline, is very simple. Christ dictates in the midst of sin and chaos. Sin and chaos. I've already set the stage. That's what we have here. A lot of sinning, a lot of chaos going on in Jerusalem right now. Not just the whole Passover scene and all the people bringing their cows and their goats and their bulls and the pigeons and all those things that the people are going to need to buy so they can offer their sacrifices. It's not just that, but the sin of what's taking place here concerning the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the midst of that, Jesus is in control. I say that because we read that in the last two verses, verses 31 and 32. After Pilate's been out, he says, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said, and you can kind of get the exasperation, can't you? And if you go back and read Matthew and Luke and you get the fuller context of what they've already discussed with Caiaphas and Caiaphas has sent the information to Pilate, Pilate should know why they're there. And so they're a little exasperated. He says, why are you, why are you here? What are you bringing against this man? And they said, if this man were not an evildoer, we wouldn't have delivered him. We wouldn't be bothering you. There's a bit of impertinence in the way they, they say it. Just the words suggest that. And Pilate said, okay, if that's the way you want to do this, you just take him and judge him. You don't want to talk to me? You go do it. So you got this little, little nitpicky thing going on here between Pilate and the Jews. They don't like each other anyway, and now they're being snide. He's being snide back. And they reply, um, but we're not allowed to. Again, we got the Passover thing. And we've also got somewhere back there, they had capitulated and they had, they had, they had given Rome a little more authority than they really wanted to give Rome. There's all sorts, when you read the commentators and the scholars, the question arises, what, why were they not allowed to put him to death? I mean, they certainly, when we get to the book of Acts, chapter 7, they put Stephen to death. But John's making a, another point here. Did you notice? We're not permitted to put anyone to death, close quote. And then John says, this was to fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Now, they, the Jews, see, see what I'm saying here? Christ is dictating even in the midst of all this chaos and sin. 
The Jews don't give a hoot about how he dies. Stoning him would have been perfectly fine. But God cared how he died. Jesus cared how he himself would die. You English folks, do you like the way I use the reflexive pronoun there? Okay, got your attention again. Good English sometimes does that. So, they don't care how he dies. They're just not permitted to put anyone to death. Right now, at this time, at particularly, they would be unclean. Got to deal with the Passover thing. They want to stay clean. But it really wasn't that. God was just using that to have Christ crucified. Did you notice? It doesn't say, like often the gospel writers do, to fulfill the scriptures. But it says to fulfill the words of Jesus. We saw this we saw this just a couple of weeks ago. John's really big on this. Why? Well, what's John's underlying theme here? It's so that you might believe, right? That's the whole purpose of writing the gospel account, John says, so that you might believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's given us all these over and over, these reasons to believe in Jesus. And here it is again. Because Jesus said, I'm not going to die by stoning. You say, no, he never said that. Well, he did because he said, if I be lifted up, in John chapter 12, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. That's what John's reminding us of right there. Jesus said he wouldn't be stoned. He'd be lifted up, lifted up on a cross. He's the serpent that was lifted up on a pole. We've already looked at that aspect of it as well. And guess what that meant? That meant the Romans had to do the death penalty because they killed people, they persecuted, they executed people by crucifixion. The Jews didn't. So John's giving us a reason to believe in Jesus here, that he is who he said he is. The son of God. He has done what he said he came to do. To seek and to save his people. He is the one that we're to believe in. So he's ruling in this. In the midst of this madness. In the way he's going to die. Second. Christ is king. But not by human imagination. Or human dictates. So Pilate enters again into the praetorium. He says Jesus come here. Are you the king of the Jews? That's a curious question because they just said, if he had not done any evil, why would we have brought him to you? Well, Pilate obviously has gotten more information that came from Caiaphas. And in that Caiaphas interview back in Matthew's account and Luke's account, we go through this king thing. And, and the Jews have asked him, you know, about this messiahship, about this being anointed, about this Christ stuff. And he says, uh, what if you see, in Matthew, he says, what if you see 
the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of glory. And the high priest tore his robe at that very moment and said, you have blasphemed. What that meant was they understood what Jesus was saying is, if I ascend on high and I come again, you'll know I'm God. He was claiming to be God. That's why they already had a problem with him. And he's just confirmed it in this context in Matthew chapter 26. But again, John is only concerned with this one thing, that the people have denied that which is true about Jesus, and that is he is the king. Jesus goes on to explain to Pilate, my kingdom's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom's not of this realm. See, the, the Jews of that day mistook the kingdom concept like so many people now mistake it. They took it as being geographical and militaristic. It's about us having land and it's about us keeping our land by whatever force necessary. And Jesus just flips that on its head, says, my kingdom's not of this realm. If it were, my people would be fighting. Now they just came out of the garden, remember? Peter pulled the sword, whacked off the ear, and Jesus told him to put it away. Elsewhere, we learn that Jesus said, I could summon legions of my army, my hosts, the angelic host, and they would take care of this. But that's not what my kingdom is about. My kingdom is just what we confessed what the scriptures tell us, it's about Christ ruling through officers and laws and censures, bestowing grace upon his elect, rewarding their obedience, correcting them, subduing them, preserving them, supporting them, restraining, overcoming sin. That's my kingdom. In, in Luke, we read these words. From Jesus, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. For behold, the kingdom of God is, present active indicative, present tense, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Folks, listen, if it was in the midst of the people then, it is now. Because that's what Jesus came for. It's what he tells us right here. My kingdom is not of this this realm, it's a spiritual realm. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's about royal rule. It's about royal power. It's about dominion over people. Paul helps us with this. He says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. That is, it's not physical. It's not material. What is it? But it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a minute. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit? That's what 
The book says. That's what God tells us. That's what Jesus is telling us. My kingdom is not of this realm. It's not the way you think. You think physically. You think materially. Because a kingdom exists concurrent with its king, then king must exist. And the king is our Jesus. Paul helps us again, uh, or Peter rather, he says, you as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. He goes on to say that that holy priesthood is a holy nation. You say, oh, well, that's getting more to the, isn't it? It's a nation, a geographical mass, people that live within confines. No, 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 no. Peter goes on, he says, a holy nation, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The kingdom is about a message. It's about proclaiming Jesus Christ and him crucified, buried, and resurrected, and ruling and reigning. Paul connects the dots here with Peter. And he says, for he rescued us from the domain, the dominion of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. You say, well, but wait, that's about the gospel. That's about the gospel changing us and moving us out of, out of the dominion of darkness where Paul says in Romans, we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're slaves to God. You're right, it is. It's about the message. It's about the gospel message. And we see that when our Lord Jesus Christ came. Luke tells us in chapter 4 that Jesus Christ came and he said, I've come to preach the kingdom of God. Well, wait. Preach the kingdom? Why not form a kingdom? Why not establish a kingdom? Why not... No, preach the kingdom. Preach the dominion of Christ. Preach the ruling, reigning work of Christ. That's what we're to do. That's what Jesus did. He came preaching. And he also sent his disciples to preach the kingdom. In the 40 days of his post-resurrection ministry, he spoke to them. In Acts chapter 1, we're told, he spoke to them concerning the kingdom of God. Philip, Acts chapter 8, verse 12, Philip preached the good news about the kingdom of God. In Acts 19, 8, Paul, remember who Paul was? The Hebrew of Hebrews, yes, but he was the apostle to the Gentiles. And he was persuading them of the kingdom of God. Wait, I thought this was a Jewish thing. No, it's a Jesus thing. This is a God thing. This is not a people thing. The land grant that was given was given to point the people, the world, everyone beyond it to the whole world. 
That's the reason that Jesus tells us, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. We saw that in Psalm chapter 2, didn't we? You see how expansive Christ's kingship was in Psalm 2? To the ends of the earth. How does the book of Acts end? The book of Acts ends with Paul being in Rome. And we're told that he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters. He was under house arrest. And was welcoming all who came to him. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. Acts 28, 28. It begins with Jesus instructing his disciples concerning the kingdom of God. And it ends with Paul preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's the missionary book in the New Testament. It's the book that records those early missionary journeys. It's the book that records the fulfillment of Jesus' words that you will go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And it was accomplished. And it was about preaching the good news. Same thing Jesus came preaching, the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. And the disciples went preaching the kingdom. And that's what we preach today. The kingdom is about the gospel, conquering sinners and bringing them into the kingdom, which is the church. There, King Jesus rules and reigns over his kingdom with righteousness and peace and joy of the Holy Spirit. Romans fourteen seventeen. It's a wonderful passage for you to memorize. I remember that being one of those little memory pack in those memory packets that we used to use. That was one of the memory verses. Jesus says right here, my kingdom is not of this realm. If it were, yes, we'd be putting together an army. Yes, we'd be conquering individuals. We'd be shedding blood right now. But that's not my kingdom. We don't live by the sword. We live by the spirit. Righteousness. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom. Finally, very quickly, third point, Christ gets his way even when sinners think think they win. Christ gets his way. In other words, he rules and reigns even when we think we do. You see it in those last two verses? Pilate said, what is truth? And that's just, that's just a, I'm shutting down this conversation. That's not, Pete, that's not Pilate warning an answer. It's not even a rhetorical question. It's just, a, I'm done with this. Truth, what is truth? And it says then, and when he had said this, he went out. And said, I find no guilt in him. Shall I give you the king of the Jews? Because this was the custom. Once a year, one would die for the people. 
Remember, we saw that last week. Caiaphas was the one that came up with that. So, no. They say, no, don't want the king of the Jews. Not this man, but we want this notorious insurrectionist. This wicked man. All the evidence has him in jail. That's who we want. That's who sinners like. Sinners like sinners. But here's the deal. Who's controlling this? What if they'd have given? What if, what if he'd have released Jesus? There wouldn't have been a crucifixion. He might have been stoned by the Jews later on. But he'd already determined, he had already set his face, the fullness of time had come, and it was time. And he'd been telling his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, there I will suffer and die, and on the third day I'll rise again. It was time. So they asked for Barabbas. And that, as we say, played right into God's hand. No, it was just what God determined. But they didn't know that. You remember Peter brings this up in the sermon on Pentecost Day. He says, you wicked men crucified him. In Acts chapter 2. According to the predetermined will of God. What? No, we did it. No, God did it through you. You're just secondary cause. You see, Christ gets his way even when sinners think they do. They thought they were getting away with this. They thought they were getting what they wanted. But Christ was just simply getting what he wanted. And that was to save his people from their sins. Truth is not grasped by natural man. And that's evident in this passage. But truth always wins out. And certainly the king of truth always wins out. So my question for you this morning is, have you... Have you been conquered by King Jesus? Have you been brought into submission to King Jesus? And that just simply is another way of asking, have you come to the end of yourself and seen that I have nothing to offer? I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. When King Jesus conquers our hearts, that's where, we, that's where we fall, is trusting Jesus. Father, we pray that you would cause us all to leave this place this morning trusting Jesus and not ourselves, that we might not be the blind enemies that these Jewish religious leaders were 
but that we would be faithful, submissive subjects of King Jesus. And we pray this for our good and for your glory. In his name, amen.